Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I remember one fellow at Catechism said to me one day, why are you going out with him? We don't want to have half-caste children around here. Ho, ho, ho. And that cut really deep. I couldn't even tell Roger that he'd said that for many, many years. But, um, I mean, Roger can tell you his own stories of how he's been racially vilified. But the colour thing was never a problem. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have more of our conversation with retired school teachers Roger and Jeanette Fernando, who are sharing their story with us and how God has been using their different talents over the years. Last time we heard that Jeanette was born in Melbourne and Roger was born in Sri Lanka and that his family eventually emigrated to Australia. Also, we've heard about their personality differences, with Jeanette being into writing poetry, while Roger is into science and has a PhD in organic chemistry. Today we'll hear more of their story and how, after they met and married, they both eventually go on to become teachers. Also, we'll hear about a trip they took students on to the centre of Australia to visit an Aboriginal community and the profound impact this had on both of their lives. Once again, Roger and Jeanette are chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Now, another aspect of your relationship is you look different. I mean, you're light-skinned. And Roger, as we've been saying, you're dark complexion. Did that cause any conflicts with your families at any point? Not with my family, but I remember one fellow at catechism said to me one day, why are you going out with him? We don't want to have half-caste children around here. Ho, ho, ho. Mm. And that cut really deep. Mm. I couldn't even tell Roger that he'd said that for many, many years. But, um, I mean, Roger can tell you his own stories of how he's been racially vilified. But the colour thing was never a problem. The cultures were quite mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. and Sri Lankan and versus Australian. And Dutch, and yeah. And Dutch, yeah. And that particularly became difficult when we had children. I think the Dutch way of bringing up children was much more regimented and, you know, children in bed at 7 o'clock. Whereas Sri Lankan, you take your kids everywhere, even if you're going out till 10 o'clock at mm. night, you've got your kids with mm. you, and everybody's auntie and uncle, mm. and it was much more laid back. Mm. And yeah. so I f- Quite a contrast. We, we found we had to try and find a middle road, even mm. though I think we ended up more on the Sri Lankan side than the Dutch. <laughs> but yeah, and perhaps that caused a little bit of tension with my parents, mm. but most people probably do go through that when they have kids mm. because generations change how they bring up kids. But your parents had no problem with Roger? No. Hmm. Roger, did you have any problems? No, they, they were wonderful. I never, ever experienced anything but acceptance. It was fantastic. From her parents? Yeah. And your your parents were okay with Jeanette? Oh, course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, I, I didn't know some Sri Lankans. Well, I mean, we we were... Migrants and golly, no, we would not discriminate. Mm. But you personally have had some discrimination experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sounds like you have quite a few stories there. I don't know if we have time for all. Yeah, of them. we don't. But the, the, I think, I think the reason I've experienced that is because 
if you take public transport or you walk the streets, that's where it happens. Mm. Now, if I were to drive everywhere, mm. all I've got is a little walk between my car to my office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's only when you interact with common everyday people mm. that you experience. My brother's never experienced racial prejudice mm. in Australia, whereas I've had probably four or five horrible mm. times when that's happened. Now, why do you think he didn't? Because he drives everywhere. Yeah. Roger's very committed to the environment, so he takes mm. public transport as much as possible, mm. even when he goes to blood bank every two weeks. Even when we go on holiday at Ocean Grove, we often will take public transport rather than drive there. Mm. So that's a, a strong commitment. Mm. But, you know, as he said, that's where you meet the people. Some people yeah. who are yeah. prejudiced. Yeah. Okay. Moving your story along, both of you become teachers. Well, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher from the mm. first day of school. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in grade two, if it was a rainy day, they would get me to come in and mind the class while the teachers were having their lunch. So um, I always knew I was going to be a teacher and I was. I started off my first year teaching in Fitzroy, which was pretty tough because I had 33 kids, seven of whom spoke English. Um, <laughs> and I, I, wow. I, I couldn't really do all the things that I'd planned to do as a yeah. teacher. And that... That was really difficult. Thankfully, I'd been at Teachers College. I joined the Christian Fellowship, which mm-hmm. was a great, yeah, that, that just really helped me with my faith. Mm. Um, and there was another Christian girl teaching there as well. But one day, and I was frustrated that I couldn't talk about God to the kids because mm. it yeah. was a state school. Yeah. And I'd been praying about that with this Christian friend. And the very next day, one of my students, grade one, we're talking. She said, Mrs. Fernando, why don't you tell us about God? Wow. So I did. And That was a risk. It, it was. Um, and I think I even prayed with them. Look, God gave me that opportunity. Mm. I was answering a student's question. It doesn't mean that I then spent the rest of the year Bible beating them, but it was just amazing that Mm. God gave me that opportunity. And then I went to teach at a Christian school Mm. and ended up teaching next door to my mother. I had grade one and she had grade two. Oh, okay. So that was was kind of special. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Roger, after you got your PhD, is that when you became a teacher or how did that work? Well, my uncle was a marine engineer and I was very taken by the romance of sailing the high seas. Oh, okay. Visiting all these different countries. But once I started getting serious with Jeanette, the idea of not being with your wife for seven months or eight months mm-hmm. of the year, that lost a bit of glass. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that, yeah. So then I I was, I got interested in Especially becoming... after you waited so long to be yeah. together. <laughs> so then I, I, I thought, well, I, I wouldn't mind... Um, becoming a medical doctor because oh, I've been okay. I'm fascinated by how the human body works mm-hmm. yeah. and I've got good steady hands so even surgery but at at this point so this is towards the end of my year 12 you know we were uncertain as to how we could get married how, how long it would take mm-hmm. uh, medicine was a five-year degree oh and so I got my year 12 results. I got into medicine at Melbourne University and Monash University based on my score. Mm-hmm. But 
couldn't go ahead with it. Five years. We, there was no way we could not get married. Oh, so you're thinking you would have to complete your five-year degree before yeah, getting married. Yeah, my because mother, my mother had said to me, uh, classic Sri Lankan, you can't get married until you have a job and you have a house for your wife. A house too, <laughs> not just a job. Oh, my goodness. So, because so, I, I loved science, I enrolled in a science teacher course on a government studentship, so, which means that I would have to teach at the end of that. Oh, okay. Which is fine. And then, as Jeanette's explained, we got married. I uh, got married at the end of my second year university, and my grades exploded the positive way. Oh, okay. I won all these scholarships at the end of my third year. My oh, great. supervisor, my, I did a little research project end of third year, and my supervisor begged me to do honours, so I did honours, mm. and the government paid for that as well. And then at the end of my honours year, my supervisor said, look, you're going so well, why don't you do a PhD? Oh, that's and how I it I said, well, about. I can't really... I could do a master's because <laughs> at this stage, you know, we were considering having children. So anyway, I started a master's program basically a week after my honours program was done. But after five or six months, we had some wonderful results that were published. Mm. And my supervisor said, go on, do a PhD. So I did. Wow, that's fantastic. So here's the funny thing. I ended up spending seven years at university. Oh, and wow. then another year for your deped. Yeah, so had I, had I known how it was all going to turn out, <laughs> I would be Dr. Fernando, but I'd be a medical doctor. In only five years. Yeah, but look, I, I, I don't have regrets. Mm-hmm. I'm still fascinated by the human body. Well, now we should stop and look at this as a Christian Yep. One of the things that you try to incorporate in your teaching is your faith and the Christian worldview and science, whereas some people think of that as two competing worldviews. Yep. But that's one thing that you've always tried to emphasize to the children, that science is not incompatible with your Christian faith. Yeah. And I, that's always been a part of your outlook. Yes, yes. So that's right. Teaching gives you wonderful opportunities to not only develop relationship, but at the school that I taught for 40 odd years, um, you know, we were committed to wanting to equip our year 12s. Mm-hmm. Well, equip any student, sorry, I shouldn't just say year 12s, that wherever they end up in their lives, that they would worship God, that they mm-hmm. would serve God. And so a school really needs to equip kids for that, whatever mm-hmm. their gifts are, whether their gifts with their hands or with their mind, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Christian schools were set up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have regrets. Mm-hmm. But I have said to Jeanette from time to time, I really would like to do a medical course. Is that right? Just, oh, yeah, because I'm just fascinated by... <laughs> so the, you're still a student, in a sense. The, well... Good teachers are always That's students. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The human body is an amazing creation. So you can just see the design from God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You're listening to the story. 
Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Roger and Jeanette Fernando, who are sharing their story as a couple with us. We've just heard their journey to becoming school teachers. Next, we'll hear more of their stories and more about their personality differences, with Jeanette being into poetry, while Roger is into science. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Roger and Jeanette Fernando, who are sharing their story as a couple and how God has been using their different talents. Next, we're going to learn more about their different interests, with Jeanette being into writing poetry while Roger is into science. So now you're into science and medical things and all that. Meanwhile, Jeanette... You're a bit more on the creative side of things in poetry. How did your love for poetry and writing poetry, how did that all get started? Well, it kind of took me by surprise. I should say that Roger got an A for English and I only got a B. <laughs> oh, so Roger, you have a bit of a creative yeah. side as well, is that? Yeah. Well, okay. all human beings are made by the creator. Yep. We are all creative. Yeah. True. Just to varying degrees. Yeah. Different aspects of creativity. Okay, yeah. And his friend Ian, his best man, had given us a poetry book when we got married by a Christian poet called Lucy Shaw in -hmm. America. And we loved her poetry. Anyway, I'd always wanted to be a wife, a mother, a teacher and a writer. But I thought that I'd be writing children's books. Anyway, we had four children and so there wasn't time to do any kind of writing. But then when Roger went on his first trip, centre trip, it was so life-changing for him. Now, we should say, for people who've listened to this program regularly, in the past we've talked to your former colleague, Colin Ewell, at uh, Mount Evelyn Christian School, about the centre trip, which was every year, year 10 students were taken to the centre of Australia. Yep. Hence, the centre trip. And that was part of their... Uh, Aboriginal studies. Mm -hmm. So Roger went on this trip and he said, you have to come next year. So I was able to go next year because his parents offered to look after the four children and Tim was only two. And that was 19 days that changed my life. And that's sleeping outside under the stars. Yes. How could it not change your life? (laughs) Yes. That first trip we weren't. In those days, we still used to put up tents. Oh, okay. But we oh, st- very, very more sophisticated. <laughs> but we still, but we still had just the experiences of of the night sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was just lapping up the scenery. Was amazing. I love the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, I was also really agonising about indigenous issues because mm-hmm. we were being exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And you had never been exposed. No, no, mm-hmm. and so. Kind of as a form of therapy, I started writing poetry, or partly to to express the wonder of creation and Mm, all that sort of thing, but also there were some 
poems about Indigenous issues. And I, in 19 days, I wrote 11 poems. Oh, okay. And I thought, wow, you know, what's happening here? Uh, and I came back to my family of four children and thought, well, now what do I do? You know, do I put all this on hold? But a friend who I'd had since I was young, she was 20-odd years older than me, a friend of my parents, had started a Christian poetry group. Mm. So I started going along to that once a month we met. And I've been doing that ever since that day. Mm. At the end of that first year that I went, Jean and I said, you know, it's really hard to publish poetry in Australia and to get published. Why don't we start a poetry publishing press? Wow. So we got, I think, Roger's mother and another lady and Jean put some money together. I think we started off with $3,000. And we decided to publish a series of cards to begin with, with the poem on the front, mm. and they were blank on the inside. And then we did our first book, Water of Life. And look, we've now done 61 books. 61? Yep. We've I just, just know about 61. one. Yes, the one that Eric had his <laughs> photo chosen for the front cover. So that's the that's only one. That's how I that even know that you are into poetry was you picked one of the photos I that's right. posted on Facebook yes. for the cover. So yes. it was quite an honor. And then yeah. the following year, my wife's picture was that's selected right. as yes. well. Yes, But not on the cover. So it's a bit of a... <laughs> competition going a bit on of there. a competition going on there i'll never let her yeah. forget about that but yeah. uh the yeah. cool thing is is that you're just really encouraging creativity yes and so then i started running poetry workshops mm -hmm. at mex for the mm -hmm. year 10 students before mm -hmm. they would go on the center trip and we found that i would say just about every student who went on a center trip wrote poetry. Oh, yeah, I remember my children yep. writing some yep. poetry. Mm -hmm. Particularly the trips that um, that I went on. I've been on 11 trips. And 11? I would, I would wow. come and sit alongside the students. Mm -hmm. They would show me their work and and we would have a presentation night where they would present their poetry or their artwork. So that was all very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And then in 2005, for my 50th birthday... I had a book of my own poems published called Two Edged, and that was very exciting. And then in 2006, I became the managing editor of PCP, and that's actually PCP? why Poetica Christi Press, we were called, and that's actually why I never went back to full-time teaching after my children went to school. Well, it was partly because I wanted to be available for them as a mother, mm -hmm but also because I was working on the publishing of the books. We only put out one or two books a year, but um, it is a bit of work. And so I became an editor, more or less mm. self-taught. Mm. And, yeah, I'm still doing that to this day. Do you have one that you'd like to share with us? So it's only a short poem. Okay. Who am I? A twinkle in God's eye. An eye so true, so absolute magnanimous, holding a universe of children like stars winking. Beautiful. <laughs> and that one's called? Who Am I? And Roger, now you're Mr. Scientist, scientific guy. Have these centered trips touched your heart in a poetic way? Oh, part of the preparation for the trip is around how living creatures, plants and animals, survive in what is a desert. Mm. 
and that's just amazing. So, so that's interesting. Uh, just obviously, personality-wise, that would be the part of God's creation and creativity that you would gravitate toward. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I also sketch. Oh, okay. And I've written at least one good poem, which is published in our church. Oh, newsletter. Okay, so there's uh, a bit of an arty side there. Well, all humans have yes. an arty side to varying degrees. Yeah, I mean, I, I write short stories. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the center trip, going to the center of Australia, how has that influenced your life, Roger? So the school that I taught at um, was one of the very first schools to actually have an Indigenous Studies program way back in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And Colin Yule shared with Colin us about Yule, how that yeah, all got started. And so Colin Yule, I think from about 1986, began teaching an Aboriginal language, Walpuri, mm-hmm. to our kids. Like, that's just amazing because no other Western white school in Australia ever taught Indigenous language. Mm-hmm. Um, so our kids are, are exposed But the reality is that living in Melbourne, unless you're, say, living in, say, Preston or Collingwood or Fitzroy or Darabin, you're not really exposed to Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I live in Montrose. Mm -hmm. And so you can live your life as if First Nations people don't exist. Mm -hmm. You effectively can. I mean, you see them on TV playing Mm -hmm. football, but certainly the centre trip you know, has raised antenna in my life so Mm -hmm. that I'm just deeply aware. And so I'm very interested wherever we go on on our long service leaves, I would always want to learn about Aboriginal people because Mm -hmm. I've been to Aboriginal rallies, sorry day rallies, where people say, you know, you need to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. And, yeah. Now... Skipping to the present for a moment. Yep. You've retired from your full-time gig at uh, the school where you taught my children, and you just can't stay away from teaching. You are now preparing to go teach in a school in Alice Springs? Correct. Why is that? Well, I have gained so much from the hospitality of Aboriginal people, not just at UNAMU, but all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of stories I could tell, and I'll put it time for a bit. Um, I feel that in talking to Aboriginal people, the solution to lots of the issues is education. Mm. And I'm a teacher, and if I can do something to support Aboriginal people... So I have tutored the grandchildren of one of the Sapphires. I don't know if you've heard of the movie, The oh, Sapphires. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, I've tutored her grandchildren... Um, and so originally... They were a singing group in the 60s, we correct, should say. Correct, yeah. yeah. Who were advertised by the South Sea Islanders because to be advertised as Aboriginal... Was that right? <laughs> they couldn't get oh. a gig. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, so Lois was the principal at Warrawal College in Healesville, yeah. which is an Aboriginal boarding school for girls. Yeah. Mm. So the plan was, one, sorry, tied for me to offer myself as a tutor either at Warrawa or at Hillsville Secondary College. Mm-hmm. There's a, an Aboriginal community in Hillsville. But, you know, these are difficult times. 
schools all over Australia are crying out for staff mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still pretty energetic and... Still plays hockey and cricket. Is that right? <laughs> I thought I just see you out on the uh, the field playing soccer from time to time. Yeah, I've, I've, I had to retire from soccer. 44 oh, okay. years of soccer. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going to happen. So, still having the urge to help educate young people. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't want to sound magnanimous or anything like that, but I, it's just... You could be just taking it easy, putting your feet up. Yeah, but... You're I, retired, technically. I, I do want to... I do want to play a small role in reconciliation. Mm. That's important to you? That's very extremely important. Why do you think that is? Oh, it's a matter of justice. Mm. Do um, you think God has really tugged your heart toward this area? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you as well, Jeanette? This is something both of you feel passionate about. Yes. They want me to go and teach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. We both have a strong sense of calling. We only got the phone call last week. Mm-hmm. And within two days, we both, well, we obviously we prayed about it and we felt that God was calling us to do this work. It's only for 10 weeks initially. We don't know what will come out of that. But there is a need and we're available Mm -hmm. and we have the energy. If we can be a blessing and if I'm sure they will bless us as well, Mm -hmm. then um, we're happy to to go. And then you can come back and be with your grandchildren. Yeah, that's going to be the hardest thing. We have 10 grandchildren Yeah, and that will be hard. We will miss them. Yeah. But the two of you have been together like 48 years, Mm. getting close to 50 now. And uh, it all started back at Sunday school class. Is that what you... Catechism class. Catechism class. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you've both taught children for many years, including my children, and are still continuing to teach in different ways. Thank you so much for sharing both of your stories with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Well, that was the conclusion of Eric Scatterbo's two-part conversation with Roger and Jeanette Fernando, who were introduced at the beginning of today's program as retired school teachers. But that's not entirely true. As we just heard, they're still active in teaching and have a servant's heart to go wherever they are needed by the Lord. Also, as we heard, they have a heart for helping the Aboriginal community in the centre of Australia. May God bless them richly in their efforts to help others. As the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices... God is pleased. Also, if you would like to learn more about the Christian poetry books that Jeanette has been involved in publishing, their website is poeticachristi.org.au. Once again, that's poetica, P-O-E-T-I-C-A, Christi, C-H-R-I-S-T-I, dot org dot A-U, poeticachristi.org.au. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Roger and Jeanette Fernando's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.